welcome to another episode of the Stacy Shiflett Podcast. I appreciate you taking time today to tune in, and we hope this segment will be an encouragement and a blessing to your heart. We're so grateful for the last several weeks of what God's been doing here at Calvary Baptist Church. We've been a bit busy with our youth meeting. We had a youth conference, and then we had a uh, men's conference down in uh, South Carolina. Uh, we were able to take about 33 of the men from Calvary Baptist Church down to a pastor and his mighty men conference. It's uh, the 10th year that that conference has been uh, held, and we're very grateful to my dear friend, Pastor Chad Watson and the Gloryland Baptist Church for their hospitality and for the tremendous effort that they put forth to host this conference every year that I've taken our men, and I think we've been there in the last four years, our men have come back inspired and encouraged and strengthened uh, to be the men that God would have them to be. Uh, we also had the ladies' conference about an hour from here that my wife was able to take 50 or 60 of our ladies over to that. And so uh, we had the missions conference, and then we had youth conference, and then the men's and the women's conference. Our folks are, are about conferenced out. Uh, but uh, to say the least, we have experienced uh, an enormous moving of God in our hearts. And for that, we're very grateful. Uh, the last several, I guess, weeks, I've been thinking about the subject of men and uh, the role of men in, in, our, in our homes and in our churches, as well as in our country. And I thought today I would just do the segment on a subject that is of great importance to me. Uh, we look around today and we realize there is a famine a dearth, if you will, of godly men, strong men, biblical men, spirit-filled men that will step up and be the leader in their home and in their family. And and that's uh, a subject, as I said, that's been uh, of uh, a passion of mine for a number of years. In fact, uh, when I was still on the mission field in South Africa, uh, we were there from 2001 to 2006. Uh, in 2005, end of 2005, first part of 2006, I began writing a book uh, that is available now on our online bookstore at surewordpublications.com. You can also get it on Amazon if you like. Uh, but the name of the book is entitled The Exceptional Man. And the subtitle is Bold, Balanced, and Biblical. And uh, since I was a missionary in Africa, and I encountered a number of young men that seemed to lack either the godly examples to follow or the proper motivation to be the men that God would have them to be. Uh, my heart has been burdened for uh, this uh, shortage of men. And when I say men, I'm talking about godly men, um, manly men. It's it's uh, gotten to the place through the uh, Hollywood and through the political realm and uh, social media, they have just about completely emasculated men today. Uh, they've confused being a man, a godly man, a masculine man uh, with, with uh, being some sort of a, a toxic uh, thing. Uh, you hear that word used a lot today, toxic masculinity and uh, misogyny. And uh, people that have been mistreated or abused, some uh, in many cases uh, real, in some cases more uh, exaggerated and imaginary, I'm afraid. Uh, but we live in a day and age where they have uh, done the best they could to empower the women and uh, emasculate the men. Uh, 
and, and weaken the men. And I look around today and I see a society where there's a tremendous need for godly men, men that are not afraid to stand up and, and fight for what is right and, and defend their family and, and uh, defend their faith and to be a soul winner and be a bold witness for the Lord and, and, um, you know, help hold up the hands of their pastor and the man of God that he's given them and uh, do their part within their local church to see the work of God furthered. And uh, I feel today that uh, the, the subject that's been on my heart since before we all went down to the men's conference last week and then, of course, sitting through the conference listening to some phenomenal preaching, I just felt today uh, that the subject and the topic should be, where are the men? Where are the men? It's amazing that when you ask different people, uh, what is your definition of a man? Uh, you'll get every kind of a, a definition under the sun. Uh, you know, uh, there's, uh, there's some people that uh, just absolutely don't understand what the Bible says about the importance and the role of the man in his family and in the home and in the local church. And I'd like to just address several of those topics today, if I could, starting out, first of all, with uh, where are the men that maintain a personal walk with Christ and God to the point that they practice self-discipline and consistency and dedication and commitment in their own personal life? You know, when you read over in the book of Genesis, Joseph came up out of the uh, prison after having been falsely accused by Potiphar's wife. And as he stood there before Pharaoh, and Pharaoh shared with him that dream um, about uh, the, the, the cows and the corn in chapter 41 of Genesis, uh, Joseph gave the king an interpretation of that dream. And the king made this statement in verse number 38. Pharaoh said to his servants, can we find such a one as this is, a man in whom the Spirit of God is. You know, when I look back at Pharaoh, obviously Pharaoh being an Old Testament character, being a being an Egyptian, knew absolutely nothing about the Holy Spirit. He had never been to church, never heard a message preached about the Holy Spirit and the attributes of the Holy Spirit, never read a book, never watched a video or a YouTube message. He had never been to a conference to hear emphasis placed on the spirit-filled life, and yet he recognized Joseph having the Spirit of God in his life. I guess one of the most amazing things to me is Joseph had been in prison for the last at least two years, possibly a few years more. Uh, the Bible tells us it was two years after the butler and the baker uh, left the prison and uh, forgot about him. Uh, that the king had this dream. So we know he was in prison for at least two years, surrounded by the worst of the worst. I'm talking about the, 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 the filthiest, most vile, corrupt people imaginable, uh, were his everyday, uh, company. And yet Joseph managed somehow during that time without a Bible, without the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that we have today as New Testament believers, without a church, a pastor, a church family. Um, how, how was he able to maintain in that environment a relationship with God that was so intimate and so real and so powerful that the minute he comes out of the prison, uh, 
and, and listens to this dream in just a matter of a few minutes, Pharaoh said, I've never seen anybody. Is there anyone? Can you find me somebody in whom the spirit of God is like he is in Joseph? He was so impressed with Joseph's walk with God. And I look around today at the, the, the things that God has placed in our life to help us and, and strengthen us. As I mentioned earlier, we have the word of God. We have the mind of God, the word, the Bible. We have it in our hands. We have the Holy Spirit living within us to lead us and to guide us and to point us into all truth and to comfort us and, and to convict us and to reprove us and to teach us. We have our, our local church and a pastor, many of you, in many cases, you've got a godly man of God that will stand in the pulpit and preach to you, declare what thus saith the Lord. And we have Christian resources, uh, unlike any generation before us, have had access to preaching and uh, online preaching and Christian radio stations. And, and uh, the list goes on and on. We have these things at our disposal, and yet it is difficult today to find a man that practices a consistent, dedicated, spiritual walk with God. Many times, unfortunately, they're so distracted uh, by their job, by their career, their desire to make a dollar, uh, or they're distracted by their hobbies, things like hunting and fishing and playing golf and, and a host of other things. I still cease, uh, never cease to be amazed at the number of men that spend literally hours each day and night playing games, video games, either on their phone or on their uh, Nintendos or Playstations or whatever. I'm really not up on it. I don't even know uh, Xbox. I don't even know uh, really the terminology. I've never played those games. Praise the Lord. I'm proud to say I have never wasted one minute of my time playing games. Someone asked me the other day, he said, I don't know how you get everything done that you do. You have a family and five kids and they pastor a, a good sized church, uh, not a large church uh, compared to some churches, but larger than others, I suppose, and, and a staff and, and a school and, and uh, all the things that you do. How do you find the time to write books and literature and all these things? And I said, well, I don't, I don't waste a lot of time for one thing. I don't go home in the evening and, and sit on an Xbox and play games all night. Uh, and abandon my wife and family and and uh, get my mind on that nonsense. And I think a lot of men are, are, are don't don't realize how carnal they really are. They sit in our churches and because they go to church, because they're there, you know, they may or may not be there every time the doors open. You ought to be. I encourage you to be. But even if you don't, and we got a lot of men sitting in the pews that think because they go to church once or twice a week and throw some money in the plate, they think they're spiritual, not realizing that they've, they've got a long way to go to learn what it means to be a spirit-filled, uh, consecrated, separated, sanctified Christian man. And it takes work. It takes time to cultivate that relationship with God and to walk with God. I shared with my church last night a quote from a dear pastor friend of mine. I wrote it in my Bible years ago. I don't know if he came up with it, but I heard it from him. Wrote his name out beside it. Brother Joe Bryant is an evangelist pastor for many years down south. He made this statement that stuck in my heart, and I shared it with our church last night, and that is this. God will meet you at the point of your desire. If you desire a little bit, you'll just have a little bit. If you desire a lot, 
God is able to meet that need and pour out himself and reveal himself and manifest himself to you. And when you open your Bible, he'll just jump off the page and put his arms around your neck and whisper in your ear and tug on your heartstrings. And, and, and you have to cultivate and seek after and pursue a relationship with God that is above average. Most men are not really interested in that. They'd rather be making money or playing games or goofing off or fooling around or sitting in their lazy boy watching television, not realizing that there is a whole nother level with God that's available to them if they desired it. And so um, I guess my question today is where are the men that really cultivate and pursue the face of God and, and, and seek his face and want to hear his voice and are sensitive and tender to his voice and they know him on a personal and intimate level. The second question I had today is where are the men that are the spiritual leader in their home? I, I said this before, a lot of men will sit back and let their wife take the lead. They'll let their wife uh, set the spiritual temperature for their home. They'll let their wife be the spiritual guide for their children. They'll let their wife be the one that has the ultimate say in what is allowed in the home and what is not allowed in the home. Their wife is the one when the television's on running around looking for the remote. We've got to turn this off. We can't watch this. We can't listen to this language. We can't, we can't have this in our home. And the husband's sitting there sipping his iced tea and his wife is the one that's, that's trying her best to keep the devil at bay and fight for the family and, and try to maintain some kind of standard of holiness in the home. The husband many times sits back and lets his wife assume that role. That's not God's plan at all. The husband is to be the one to dictate the spiritual temperature. The husband is the one that should be standing at the door. Jesus talked about uh, the evil one coming in and spoiling a man's house. And, and, and Jesus said it like this, if, if, if he can bind the strong man, he can take all of his goods and spoil his house. And we've got men today that uh, maybe pride themselves in their physical strength. They may pride themselves in their financial uh, state. You know, I've got money in the bank. I've got a good job. I've got a good retirement plan. I've got, I've got a little nest egg. You know, I've got a house, got some vehicles, got, got some things, some assets in the garage or out in the barn. And, you know, they pride themselves in where they, where they are financially. They may pride themselves in their physical strength, working out. You know, I can curl. I can push. I can, I can squat. I can, I can do these things, you know, and they may pride themselves on their athletic abilities. But what, what about their role as a spiritual leader in the home? Are they being that strong man that is standing at the door, keeping Satan and the demons of hell outside and protecting and praying up a hedge right about their wife and their children and being the leader in their family and showing their children what it means to walk with God and protecting their children from ungodly influences? putting up some boundaries and some guidelines and, and making sure your kids are not on social media and making sure your children are not texting and chatting and, and talking to the wrong people and making sure your kids are not out at night in places you don't want them to be and knowing who they're with and having some kind of a curfew. I've got, I've got five children, as I, as I stated, four of my kids are already out of high school and working. My oldest daughter's married 
and uh, expecting our first grandbaby here in about six weeks. Can't wait for that. And they're going to the Philippines as a missionary. And then my oldest son, Spencer, is a deputy sheriff down in uh, PG County. And I'm proud of him and his service. And uh, my other son, Stuart, works for one of the men in our church doing marble and granite countertops. He's a hard worker. And uh, he stays busy with that. And then my youngest daughter, Callie, uh, she just quit her part-time job over here at the coffee shop and went full-time with her own business. And and uh, my kids, all except the oldest one, Marissa, they all still live at home. And I still have rules and I still have guidelines. And uh, they've got they've got to check with me and let me know where they're going and where they're at and what time they're coming in. And, and uh, you know, I've still got parental controls on on their devices and there's things that I don't allow. And I'm grateful that my children submit to my leadership and I'm grateful that they uh, respect me. Uh, they don't have a lot of choice, but I'm glad they do. Uh, but, you know, I still, I want to know where they are. I don't want them leaving the house and, at night and going somewhere without telling me where you're going and creating accountability and doing my part as a, as a daddy to make sure that I fight for my kids and, and try to keep the devil beat off of them. And uh, then, of course, I've got the uh, my youngest, Zane. He's in third grade and uh, still raising him, obviously. And, and uh, man, you never figure it all out, but you ask God to help you and give you strength. But I'm amazed at the parents that let their kids just run the streets and, and go with whoever and spend the night at people's house. And they don't know anything about them. And I think about the girls that have been molested and girls that have been uh, been uh, fondled and abused. I think about the young men that have gotten in over their head with sexual sins and, and environment. Uh, parents didn't know where they were. And, and the dad dropped the ball as being the spiritual leader for his family. Well, I, my kids are old enough to make up their own decisions. As long as they live in my house, I'm going to help them make those decisions. And I'm going to do what I can to be the spiritual leader for my wife and for my children. And then I think about this vacuum in our churches, this, this huge void in our churches. And I believe our church here at Calvary Baptist Church in Dundalk, Maryland, I really believe that we are... Uh, above average, far above average, in my opinion. God's give us a group of men here that that uh, are serious about what God's doing and grateful for what He's doing, and try not to take it for granted and cultivate that environment where God can work and move and souls can be saved. And uh, they have my back, and uh, they they love me and they support me, and they've done the best they could to try to get a hold of the vision for this church and God's put in my heart and and the desire that God's put in my heart for this church to move forward and to impact the world and influence others and see souls saved and, and help salvage marriages. And my, my men have done, a, have, have done an enormous amount of work behind the scene to lighten the load to help me with that. And they're an asset in the church and they're in their place and I can count on them and they're faithful, but that's just rare these days. And I'm grateful for the men that are faithful. I'm grateful for the men that have stepped up in their local church and said, Preacher, what can I do to help? And get me plugged in. Give me a leadership role. Give me a place to minister and serve. Give me somewhere where I can thrive and flourish and cultivate a, a, a ministry to help others. I'm grateful for those. But a lot of men just don't seem to care. I preached on that Sunday. In fact, I preached on it both services. Out of Philippians chapter number two, where the apostle Paul was writing to the church at Philippi. And he said, he said, I want to come and I want to see you. I want to come and fellowship with you. 
And he said in chapter number one, he said, I think about you and I, 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 my heart is there. And, and uh, he said this, he said, um, I'm always praying for you. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. He went on to say that uh, how greatly I long after you all in the bowels of Jesus Christ, Philippians 1.8. Paul had a great relationship with the church of Philippi. He said, I want an update. They didn't have the technology that we have today, obviously, and they couldn't get an email or FaceTime or, or, or go to their website and look at their pictures. He said, I want to know what's going on at your church, but I'm not able to come. He said, I'm going to send Timothy, Timotheus, my son in the faith. I'm going to send him. Because I want to be encouraged. He said it like this. He said, I want to be of good comfort when I know your state. Then the apostle Paul made a statement. He said, for I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. Talking about the spiritual state of the church. He said, I do not have anybody other than Timothy that I could send. That he could walk in the door and have a natural genuine, organic love and passion and concern for the church. He said in verse number 21, for all seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ. What a statement. Now that's the apostle Paul making that statement. That's a pretty bold statement. All men seek their own. They're not interested in spiritual things. They're not interested in the church of God. They're not interested in the ministry and, and the pastor's vision for the church. They're not interested in souls being saved. They're not interested in the spiritual temperature of the youth group. They don't care if families are joining or not. They don't care if the baptismal waters are being stirred or if the baptistry is dry rotted and it makes a great storage place for paint and Christmas ornaments. They don't care if missionaries are being called to the field and sent out. They don't care. Man, I preached on that on Sunday and my heart aches when I think about husbands and, 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 and daddies sitting in our churches and their attitude towards spiritual things is take it or leave it. Where are the men? Where are the men that get to church early and crawl off in a Sunday school room or in our case up into the balcony, spend some time on their face before God praying and interceding for God to send revival and to save souls and give the pastor liberty and boldness to preach and give people a tender and receptive heart to listen and receive the message and for the altars to be full and for people to go forward and make commitments and get saved and, and surrender to ministry and, and get things right in their life. Where are the men? that get to church and shake hands with visitors and greet visitors and, and make sure the lights are on, make sure the heat's on, make sure the air's on, and make sure the Sunday school rooms are set up and the floors are clean and the parking lot's clean. Where are the men that care, that take an active role of leadership and involvement in their local church? There's a great need for men to step up in their homes and their family and in their churches, and be the leaders, be the godly men that God would have them to be. And I'm grateful for the men in our church, and we've got a host of them. Uh, but we've got some, just like any church, that needs to step it up. They need to they need to take it to another level. They need to get serious about spiritual things and serious about the things of God. I just want to challenge you. Uh, be be a man that pursues. Uh, that, that level of being an exceptional man. If you, if you haven't gotten my book, I encourage you to get it, especially you men that are, that may be God speaking to your heart right now. Maybe you're just being, uh, encouraged and strengthened, provoked, as, as Hebrew says, to love and good works. Maybe you ought to read the book. It's a kick in the pants, I tell you. 
about being bold. My favorite Bible character, without a doubt, hands down, is David. And I know David had some issues in his life later on, but I tell you, that man walked with God, had a relationship with God that few people can only imagine. And God anointed him, not once but twice, to be the king of, of Israel. The Bible says he was a man after God's own heart. And he was a fighter. And he was bold and he was courageous, but he was also tender and sensitive. We were talking in staff meeting yesterday about how that David was such an unusual character that he'd go out and cut a man's head off, kill him, grab him by the hair of the head and take his head back up the hill and hand it to Saul. Here you go. Here's Goliath. Here's that giant that's been bringing shame and reproach. I just took care of business. Bible said he was a bloody man, but he was also a sensitive man. And when he cut off the robe of Saul in the cave, the Bible says his heart smote him and he had to come out and apologize and said, I should not have touched God's anointed. He was a bold, strong, courageous, fearless man, but he was a tender man, knew how to worship God, knew how to pray, knew how to play the instruments and knew how to sing and knew how to walk with God. And I'm just a burden today for the shortage of men in this country. And I believe our nation's where it's at today because the men uh, fell down on the job and they've, they've, they've uh, relegated their role as a leader to the women in their homes. And I'm not against strong women. My wife is as strong a woman as you'll find has to be to live with me, be in the ministry and, and raise five kids that love God. Uh, but the Bible's very clear. The husband is the head of the home, is a spiritual leader in the home. And the Bible says to, for the fathers not to provoke their children to wrath, but to bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. That is, it's our place. It's our place. So I hope the episode today and the podcast today stirred your heart, encouraged your heart. I challenge you to get in the secret place. Spend time with God. Get in your Bible. Know your Bible. Learn your Bible. Learn what God says. Implement it into your life. Don't just be hearers, but be doers of the word. And your husband, uh, your wife will love you and appreciate you being the leader. Your kids will look up to you and respect you. I know your pastor will be grateful to have a man in the church that's, uh, that's involved and dedicated and sold out and laboring and serving alongside him. I love what Paul said. Paul said about Timothy in Philippians 2. He said he served with me in the gospel. He didn't serve under me. He didn't serve behind me. He served with me. In fact, Paul had so much confidence in Timothy that in Philippians chapter 1, verse 1, the letter starts out, Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ. Paul let Timothy, young Timothy, his son in the faith, whom he had mentored and taught and trained and raised and reared, he let Timothy uh, put his name on the letter to the church at Philippi because he had a natural care for the spiritual state of the church. My question to you today is, do you? Do you care about the spiritual state of your home, your family, your wife, your children, your church, and uh, your own spiritual state? I hope you do. Thank you for taking time to listen today. hope the podcast was a blessing. If you uh, want to, you can follow us on YouTube. I have a YouTube channel. We're on Facebook as well. Look us up and follow us there. Be the first one to know when we put out a new episode. Uh, thank you so much for listening today. And until next time. May the Lord richly bless you.